Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So, it's come to this. What you talk about? <laughs> we're in trouble. Oh, we're in big trouble, big guy. This is big. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. We're going to jump right into this trouble, because yeah. it is a big one. No time to explain. <laughs> no time to explain. It is 1991's Dan Aykroyd Smash. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Nothing but trouble. I was like, how is Eric getting this year so wrong in the <laughs> yeah. intro? Oh my goodness. You got no. your John Candy. You got oh, your no. Chevy Chase. No. That's a, I am that's not prepared future. for that movie. I am not prepared to watch it again. I am not prepared to that's, that's episode talk about it. It's episode 100. Uh, no, no I, we're, t- we're I, here to talk about a different kind of trouble. Big trouble. But where? In Little China. <laughs> little China. In Thank little you. China. 1986. 86, is that right? Yeah. Wow. That's what the DB is telling me. This is one of those movies that you find on cable, that you find at the Salvation Army, both true in my cases, that you meet a lot of friends whose dads like the movie. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is great. This is John Carpenter making his Hong Kong movie, and it's insane. It's so good. It made, it, it bombed. It's a total bomb. <laughs> total bust. This movie almost killed his career. <laughs> yeah. Let's be upfront with that. Yeah. He uh, he definitely went back to the more indie style of filmmaking after this. Yeah. Uh, with a movie we just talked about, Prince of Darkness. But oh, yeah. Big Trouble is what also... A jump. Also, for me, it's his him at his silliest. And it's so silly. It's him just kind of letting loose and having fun and uh, not having to stick to these strict genre rules that everyone tries to keep imposing on the master of horror oh yeah so this one yeah this one definitely feels like the movie you discover as a youngster oh if, sure if you sure discover sure a john carpenter it's movie. a movie that can be you know that was edited down for tv airings and played with stuff like the golden child on <laughs> totally. those saturday afternoon uh, fox matinee kind of things and yeah i remember seeing this at the video store and then later the Salvation Army when you can buy cheap VHS. And I was, you know, it's always that great cartoon pulp cover, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, he's sure. like, it's drawn like a total Rambo poster, but it's different. It's weirder. It's more like Jim Henson's Rambo <laughs> kind of looking movie. Well, instead of Stallone shirtless, it's our man, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Man. In a, with, with a, Great 80s kind of mullet haircut going <laughs> and a nice tank top with some neon, you know, print on it. I mean, Jack Burton, Ugh. it has to be considered. That's the best Russell, right? This is the most joyous. This is top tier Russell. Fun filled sure. Russell. For sure. You know, he's had better serious roles, obviously, but this is one of those gleeful performances where the guy knew exactly what. <laughs> tone and risk to take with his silliness in each scene. Yeah, this is kind of like a, uh, a Captain Ron situation. Yeah, with this Kurt is Russell. him getting into a character and having the most fun with it. If he is method, he's the one version <laughs> of a method actor who does nice things when they're in method character. <laughs> usually, method only applies to assholes. <laughs> right. Like, I have That's to. Usually, yeah, exactly. I'm playing a sex pest. I gotta show you my dick, like without you expecting it. I'm in the role, like, but uh, instead, Kurt Russell plays this Jack Burton like he's um, like Bill Paxton doing Han Solo, <laughs> or like he's doing Bill Paxton doing John Wayne. I was gonna say the yeah the John Wayne influence hits me pretty hard even yeah. from the very first kind of opening monologue is he's on he's a big trucker and he's rolling into san francisco and he's on the cb and it's one of those great character introductions where he's in the rain driving he's and everybody out there he's got a whole he has a bit he does like a cb much better dialogue than i'll ever come up with not not looking at it but yeah it's uh, like this philosophical trucker bs (laughs) and uh, it's also great because it pushes our history back to 1986 when they were still making like cb movies sure this is a trucker movie. This doesn't get enough credit for being a trucker movie because it's such a kung fu movie. But 
CB movies, hot stuff. For a long time, Peckinpah had to make a CB movie, Convoy. I was going to say, the only thing this thing is missing is a full-on convoy. We don't get a convoy. <laughs> Spoiler alert. If you're sticking around for us to talk about the convoy, they don't We do get one. the Asian gang uh, procession through the alleys and stuff that surrounds a truck. That's almost we a get, convoy. We I, get I almost want to count that. The most beautiful sets <laughs> and choreography yeah. from a Carpenter movie. This thing is, this is joy. This is a joy in filmmaking. I have a. I think it's come up before. I have a love of movies set in San Francisco. We we're, <laughs> well, we're here in the North Bay. It's yeah. hometown. It's fun to watch. But this one, especially that whole Chinatown aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, well, th- this the- one always tricks me. Uh, I've seen it several times over you know twenty years, and every time it starts like, oh right, this is a San Francisco movie. Sure. He's going over the Golden Gate Bridge, the same exact route that I've driven into you know hundreds of times. And then within ten minutes of the movie, you are no longer <laughs> you're. It's set in San Francisco, but it's actually this like. Uh, fantasy Chinatown from a dimension that doesn't really exist. It's a Miyazaki here. version of, totally. of Chinatown. Oh. <laughs> is what it is. He does pass into Miyazaki. He, he goes down an alley. He basically gets oh. spirited away into oh, wow. this whole complex where he has to, you know, save the girl and yeah. escape with with his friends and stuff. I keep it's thinking a Miyaz- it's this is Miyazaki ripped off Carpenter. I think oh, is wow. what we're saying. Here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, Miyazaki totally jacked this. Someone one. owes uh, someone an apology. Yeah. <laughs> I've spent so much so many years thinking of this movie mostly as like John Carpenter's Shaw Brothers movie. Sure, sure. You know, it's it's a Shaw picture. A great one. That I've never thought about it as a Miyazaki <laughs> movie. I love that. It's true. Pretty much, it's so right? True. They they get the essentially most of this movie takes place kind of in a big building, yeah. And they don't even know really what floor they're on. Most of the building, it's got this very kind of we don't know if we're going up or down yeah. quality. That which had is great. see that had a shot. But it's a total kind of fantasy. To it. This movie know? is a total fantasy. Yeah. And they're in the bowels of the sewers with the giant creatures and stuff. It's a total just like almost a kids movie. Like I'm actually surprised that this is PG-13 because yeah, I feel like this could have easily been a PG movie. Sure. Uh, and I wonder if they had made this movie more. Maybe they didn't market it at kids enough because I feel like this yeah. movie would really have hit me in the theaters as a ten to. 13 I, and I don't year old. actually know that. I don't. I was not. You know, I was four. We were babies. Five, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the marketing was. I'm sure we could find you know the trailer on the Blu-ray, but yeah, I don't know what the ad campaign was like. What markets they hit? You know, what shows they ran during? Because it feels like yeah. the because if ingre- you're going from the maker of the thing and yeah. Halloween, the ingredients it's are there to make trouble. you could make yeah. a dynamite trailer from Big Trouble. Big Trouble in Little China is a movie that can succeed in a minute forty-five. Oh, definitely. Burst. Right. You can cham that with so many cool things without giving any of the movie away. Just make it seem like this is a crazy thing that I cannot miss. <laughs> that would be very easy with this movie. A lot of material to work with. So I don't know why people didn't turn out. I don't know why. I don't know why it was a failure, and I don't know why how they marked Studies it. Studies have been done, but uh, I haven't looked <laughs> yeah. them up. No, Do you I, have, uh, you have no idea. results? No idea. Uh, I'm going to assume there was a marketing failure. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, it's largely Asian-American cast in the 80s was not appealing to enough people. It has it's hard to, to have. Say. By this point, it has to have made money, though, right? It felt like a movie that got aired enough on cable and was a rental store cult hit that those kind of things tend to make it back. And this one had to be a big video earner, but Probably. a bust at the it's theater. A, I mean, it's a solid cult classic now. Yeah, there's no way around it. We're we're not, um, you know, pulling the lid off of something. That nobody's <laughs> yeah, ever we're not breaking here. the doors down on this movie. This is a, no, it's a beloved movie. It's now a beloved movie, but to me, it is a very kind of uh, singularly strange entry into the Carpenter. You said the word earlier. It's an outlier. An outlier. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's such a magical thing to have on your resume. Totally. Oh, yeah. I made a Shaw Brothers fantasy kung fu flick. Yeah, no. Lost a lot of money. A lot of money. But <laughs> I got to work with Kurt, and we had a good time. Yeah. That seems know. the most like kind of dudes rock, guys hanging out, being buddies on a set kind of movie. And, you know, I mean, this movie has got, I think we've brought up some of these guys before, but, you know, it's got your Victor Wang. It's got your... <laughs> you got... Wong. It's got you your got Victor Wong. You got your Wongs. 
you got your Hongs, your James Hongs. Oh, uh, James your Dennis Hong. Dunn's. You know, Dennis there's Dunn. actually a lot of great. And uh, have you seen Dennis Dunn in anything other than Prince of Darkness? <laughs> sure, I'm getting a lot of I'll Dennis yes. Dunn lately. I know we've been almost back to back with the Dunn, Dunn yeah. and Wong. I think we're done and done with Dennis Dunn. Yeah, man. James Hong, man, in this. Now like, that's a legend. Wow, that's a legend. They've been giving out uh, really cool. We've talked about this before. Honorary Oscars. Mm-hmm. They've been making like Jackie Chan got sure, an Oscar. Sure, sure. Uh, Roger Corman got an Oscar. This is a good move. Jackie Chan obviously deserves an Oscar, but his movies aren't able to be categorized in traditional Oscar categories. Mm-hmm. Well, there's weirdly no Oscar for best stuntman. Yeah, that's a thing that's been lamented on this podcast before. Yeah, the the lack of honoring or recognizing the stunt work that goes into this stuff yeah how weird is it that a stunt coordinator is so important to a movie like big trouble in little china yeah or like that that how could you not honor somebody like that it's the weirdest role in a movie to me well especially when they give awards for visual special effects and yeah you know that in casting director seems like two big roles Mm. that are and a movie like this Carpenter insisting on using Kurt Russell, the role only Kurt Russell could have played. Everybody else would have been slightly wrong. Mm -hmm. There's other cool, you know, Harrison Ford is cool. Harrison Ford would have just seemed too different and above this material. He would have been too gruff for this one, I think. Yeah, Kurt Kurt Russell has has the uh, ability to kind of channel an an inner childness. Yes, childness. If he needs it feels to. like a teenager's idea of a cool guy, right. which was a thing that Russell was good at. Captain Ron is a teenager's idea of a cool guy. Totally, you know, Russell was good at that guy, but this is his best version. Like the of mechanic, that guy. cool guy, cool guy, <laughs> fun dude. <laughs> oh, you know the poor, uh, the poor guy in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, of course, that guy's a cool guy. Oh. Oh. Wife murdering buddy. Boy. Get your shit and get off the lot. But no, this is nobody else could play this. This is Kurt Russell's movie, and that's that's why I feel it has. I to I wouldn't be. want to see anyone else play. Yeah, and I'll, that's I'll why it just feels much. like it has to be considered Kurt Russell's best role. But James Hong, you talk about a guy for an honorary Oscar. This guy is ubiquitous with the best of genre work. Every television show, he was the go-to mm-hmm. kind of old suave Asian guy. For 40 years in programming. This guy's a legend, and this might be his best role, because Lopan is, it's insane. It's like a Jim Carrey kind of performance. It, I was going to call it Peter Sellers. Peter it, Sellers, it, sure. It, it's, uh, it's him being able to, yeah, play This was all these extremes. different sides of Hong, that <laughs> every version of him. Yeah. This was him at his comedic muggy faced goofiest and then also like shrieking terror and then i love the idea of just an old guy buried in effects makeup totally like i'm an some, acting it, it's dude. some You're like it's like nothing but trouble level makeup yeah put this guy in <laughs> i love that man <laughs> give me that 88 to 92 like we're doing extra face no, stuff yeah just yeah it's like a. Hoffman at the end of Little Big Man when you see him as the 108-year-old <laughs> Yeah, <dude. laughs> Give it to me. Yeah. yeah give it, me that. Into it. Give me that Howie Mandel Little Monsters makeup, uh-huh. baby. Give, give, me. Him, give him the long fingernails, the Howard Hughes. like Yeah, Nightbreed kind of <laughs> stuff, man. Give me all that. And, oh, I love it. There is some gross kind of Prince of Darkness level makeup on low pan. Mm-hmm. He gets all, you know, just old man sores and right. boils and... You know, just gross, ancient, hundreds-year-old man skin. Like, ugh, like tons of it. And you yeah. just get Hong doing all these great, like, hilarious, evil laughs wall through <laughs> all this makeup. And he knows exactly how to play it through the makeup. This is a great performance. And meanwhile, you've got Hong playing this evil, kind of demonic character who's basically trying to get eternal life, yeah. if, if I'm remembering correctly. And then you've got Burton the smart mouth trucker who's <laughs> just kind of helping a friend out and it doesn't really b- give a crap about any of this stuff and is throwing him the smart lip the whole time. Yeah. 
And uh, it's just so funny to watch the two of them yeah. play off each other. It's such a pairing. Because he, he just keeps frustrating Hong because he's just not really taking <laughs> it seriously. Yeah. Like, this is weird shit. Yeah. And you're, you're like, handling like, it pretty cool. This is a big cool. deal. And, and, yeah, Kurt Russell as Burton is just like, are you crazy? Yeah. Is that your problem? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just really mouthing off. He's such the, like bad kid in school like taking advantage of the substitute totally just really staking his claim like, and hong is just like not giving him seriously anything. and hong has all of his like mortal combat guys <laughs> that's great this is this who is just being like all right we got to have all these ideas yeah we got to have definitely three spirits because that's chinese lore nobody knows the chinese lore but it has to be <laughs> this way like movie drops us right into the middle of a bunch of Chinese stuff. It's like, no, this is how it happens in Chinatown. We're like, exactly. okay, you get this. Well, that's what Dunn is there for. Yeah, Dunn is the iced tea <laughs> on SVU ex- explanation guy. No, this is a tradition in Chinatown. Okay. These gangs war on every seventh Sunday. Yeah, see, these guys are having a funeral procession. These guys are gonna <laughs> attack the funeral procession. These guys are gonna fight back with these guys. Oh, don't mess with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in this car. Everything should be cool. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jack Burton just goes, I'm going to run this dude over real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie goes, like I said, 10 minutes in, it's a San Francisco movie. We're pretty soon into a fun alley that's a set, but clearly could be still set in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it's only 10 minutes in when we turn down that alley. And then within 10 minutes of that, we're in like a middle of a, of a long Gangs of New York style <laughs> Kung Fu fight. Hell yeah. This is a great movie fight. This fight scene is impressive. There's some good fights in this movie. It's as good a choreography and and fight layout as the best of the Kung Fu movies that I've seen. I mean, the Jackie Chan movies had better stunts, but this had, this was just five minute, five second clips of different knockdowns, Mm -hmm. basically (laughs) using different weapons and different kicks and different takedowns. So you're just getting 20 different guys getting waylaid in different ways. It, it definitely is. seems like, yeah, Carpenter had a checklist. Mm-hmm. All right, I need a guy through a window. Okay, yeah. I need a guy to, <laughs> you know, cut okay. a guy in half. Some stuntman coordinated this. How do you not honor mm-hmm. that? That was all, This is a long, impressively laid out scene. And, you know, I love those old kung fu scenes that are raw enough where you can see the main guy directing traffic. <laughs> like, you can see Bruce Lee... In the like two thirds shot in the middle of Enter the Dragon, big calamity scene where he's like pointing at guys oh, really? where to be <laughs> while he's fighting. You know, he's directing while playing his part. Oh, so you don't get that here. You get all these quick takes, but it's a super effective use of the quick take, mm-hmm. which is a thing that a lot of guys do now terribly. Well, it actually makes the, the action feel like it's everybody is involved, mm-hmm. where so much it's just like one guy approaches the hero at a time, or yeah. you see the guys in the background just kind of half-assing it with a mop <laughs> or something. Right. Know? This so. was a full-scale Marvel fight <laughs> with a way better sense of place and a way better sense of loss and damage than any of the big Marvel movies. This took a ridiculous fight scenario. Oh, a weird three-way alley with three different gangs of religions all marching and converging at the same time. This one has weapons? It takes you to this impossible alley Mm -hmm. and then throws you in the middle of a four-gang fight. And uh, somehow you know who's taking the most damage. You clearly see who's coming out on top. You can follow it. You're following all this fight through the alley. And how... Am I always so confused during these Marvel movies? Mm. Like at the end of Black Panther, I was like, so did anyone die? Or did like 12,000 die? I don't really know how many showed up. How many were there? Exactly. I don't know. I, it, there's no sense of scale for me in a lot of them. And yeah, the bad guy is just this alien creature that's been duplicated in the computer a thousand times. <laughs> You're just like, might as well just play the video game. Yeah. And in th- this one. It gives me a sense of, all right, the numbers are low, but everybody seems to be very talented at their specific thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not as imbalanced as you might seem. And I'm able to follow this great fight because somebody coordinated it. Somebody figured out how best to shoot and represent this fight. And this is one of the best I've seen. It's impressive. And it happens in the first quarter of the movie. Yeah, it's kind of the big opening yeah. uh, action sequence. 
yeah, and we've got a, a great story with the kidnapped girlfriend, and uh, I we haven't even talked about Kim Cattrall yet, which is a funny like she's kind of has this funny like genre history she's, before she's she like becomes a, a Sex in the City. Oh yeah, person, she's you know? in... so it's she's the intrepid uh, investigative reporter who's uh, trying to find the real story about these kidnappings, and she's a good version of uh, Kate Capshaw. There you go. In uh, Indiana Jones, yeah. Temple of Doom. I like her in this one. Yeah, I like Kim Cattrall here. She gets a lot of the silly, fluffy, blonde lines, but she's got a little integrity. You know, she's the she's the woman that uh, that can't stand Indiana Jones. Totally. And Indiana Jones doesn't care that the woman doesn't can't stand <laughs> him. That's that character. Yeah, there's a lot of him. Yeah, her and Burton going back and forth and. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and of course, like they... one snap on a turn, like makeout sesh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> up until well, was, then, it's nothing he, but antagonism. He was just thrilled to be alive in the sewer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get a lot of great, like you said, we get a lot of the Carpenter Stock Company, and then a lot of other cool stuff. You're talking unexpected, like two thirds through the movie, we just get a monster. Oh, yeah. There's monsters in this There's movie. There's a monster in the movie. This is like a kung fu movie, but he's like, I also kind of want to do an effects monster. <laughs> that monster in the alley, or the gutters, is like one of the... <laughs> that's one of the most unexpected new character developments in a movie. Yeah. Nobody's expecting a monster. Now, are you talking about the giant ape monster, the sewer bug monster, or the floating head with all the eyes? Oh, yeah. We got extra monsters, huh? There's a lot of monsters. monsters. I'm thinking the big, the the Sasquatch one, though, is a real left turn. Yeah, he kidnaps her. Yeah, (laughs) Bigfoot style for sure. Like, that's when you know you're suddenly like, oh, yeah, the San Francisco movie that's now just Labyrinth. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's the action dad version of Labyrinth Mm -hmm. now. It's literally what it is. Well, at least that monster works for Hong. So we know he's, you know. Yeah, he's just a monster employee. So now Hong's like a Ninja Turtles villain. He's Shredder. It essentially goes Ninja Turtles on us, yeah. Like, how sick is this movie? In 1986. In 86, for a lot of money. Yeah. For more money than the Ninja Turtles movies cost. Right. So, yeah, Carpenter's making Ninja Turtles movies to no acclaim (laughs) in 1986. Yeah, that monster is basically the, the wolf monster from... Turtles 2. Yeah. It's the same kind of design and everything, really. It, it also reminds me of the uh, same year, 86, the FX monster. Oh, yeah, that yeah. the guy keeps in his doorway. <laughs> oh, totally. So you've got a big fuzzy uh, monster with crazy eyes and Classic. teeth, you know? Some dude was making cool mo- movie monsters in 1986 for movies that nobody expected movie monsters. <laughs> that was his niche. Such a weird job. Yeah. Like, give that guy an Oscar. <laughs> Where's that guy's Oscar? But, oh, man, this is just a weird romancing the stone <laughs> alternate timeline dad movie. Totally. Uh, I love it. Uh, have you seen it in the theater? Uh, did we see it at a cult night? It played at a cult night. I think, we, J- I I know think I saw it as part there. of a cult night. Yeah. yeah, in theater 12. This is the kind of movie that plays in a theater. Mm-hmm. Seeing that in a theater... People are just in love. That's them in love with a movie, you know? Never seen a bad crowd at that one. Well, I was going to say, this is the kind of movie I, I just see on TV and will watch it. And we'll just in sit any through. scenario. Yeah, that's like that's like Tremors totally. for me. It's Tremors right is on Tremors. TV. I'm watching Tremors at least through a couple of commercial breaks. <laughs> like, whatever spot Tremors is in, it's like, oh, cool, this is about to come up. Yeah, I always yeah. remember... Uh, my wife and I went to a weekend getaway at Monterey, and we go to the aquarium. And uh, oh my gosh, she's taking a nap like in the afternoon. <laughs> real quick, real at, quick. Yeah, Charlie told me this is like when he told was telling me about his trip. This was like <laughs> listed as one of the best highlights, and I love it because this is the, my kind of a trip. It's so. great. It's a great day because you get up, uh, you you walk over, you see the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Mm-hmm. You know, see you the get, otters. You get a little lunch. Yeah, you gotta see, the, see otters. the otters. You do the whole smorgasbord yeah, over there. Yeah, gotta see them. You gotta pet the, the, pet the stingray. And then, uh, yeah, we got a little lunch, and then she likes to take a little nap in the afternoon. <laughs> and I just found Big Trouble on TV. Was watched that until we went out to dinner. <laughs> yeah. And then just, we had a nice dinner out, and 
There and you it was go. during that like, like four to six p.m. magic hour. Just yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. You know that's the af- that's the Saturday afternoon movie hour. Mm-hmm. That's when I would like watch Lucas yeah. <laughs> on, on four p.m. Yeah. on a Saturday. She's sleeping on the it's bed, and I'm dusky. sitting next to her, just watching Big Trouble. Oh, and just like trying not to laugh too loudly, <laughs> right? But then also just being like, God damn it, Kurt Russell, Yo, you Russell, funny motherfucker. <laughs> I saw this movie uh, for the first time. Not so. The first time I saw this movie, I'd never seen it on not broadcast TV mm-hmm. until I saw it with you in Portland. Oh, yeah. Late, late as hell. Uh, this this would have been like Wait, over, over 10 years. Was that in a big screen or was that on the no, disc? No, no, we saw it on the disc. Yeah, yeah. This, in, was, this, was, this movie was in my original LaserDisc mm-hmm. batch that I picked up and began my collection. This one's, uh, yeah, special to me for that reason too, but... No, we watched it at uh, your place with Portland Eric, mm-hmm. and it was really late. We'd been out, you know, somewhere, show or somewhere. It was past one. It was like, let's throw on Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> and so I got that. So the first time I saw it without TV commercials, I was watching it there. And then it was just me falling asleep for the lengths of commercials throughout <laughs> right. the movie. <laughs> so imagine my delight. First time I'm seeing this movie, and then uh, popping up with the monster out of a little 2 a.m. snooze. <laughs> oh, so that was like the first time I saw it not on network TV. Nice. But this is a movie you run into a lot, and it looks cool from the poster, and I think that's why I got to think, oh, it's a big hit now. You don't meet people that dislike this movie now for it's, a movie that bombed. It's like what? there's nothing to dislike. Yeah. It's fun. It's got fun characters. It's... Uh, this one had for, for to a go- movie that has a lot of like Asian stuff going on. It doesn't, maybe it doesn't age as well as some, but it doesn't age as poorly as some movies from the eighties. I didn't get any like problematic Asian you stuff. Didn't, you didn't ever cr- like we watched it again recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched it just a week. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. Cr- I don't feel myself cringing at anything no. in it, even though it goes hard on some you know Chinese kind of mythology stuff. Yeah, it doesn't take it uh, as a joke. It's not going for laughs or. Uh, playing for cheap racial humor this is played as a very this is played as just a normal hong kong movie yeah yeah just made by an american director uh for more money than all those hong kong movies make that's the, <laughs> that's the key you got to make it for three million then when you make 10 million huge profit right 25 million dollar kung fu movie you're it's probably gonna to lose money hard to sell so it's it's just this great joyous filmmaking experience. I hate that it did, was you know, who knows if what would have happened if this was a success, what the next five years for Carpenter look like. Could have been a very different path after that. Like for sure. there's other movies within this action milieu that he could have gone in. He could have been in more of a Sam Raimi direction. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see Carpenter doing Sam Raimi kind of stuff. He touches that. Yeah, yeah. But or just to me like he could have gone very much more family friendly. Sure. Uh, There's route. I think he's talented enough that he could make something family friendly. Yeah, Starman, uh, Starman is very very family friendly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. He made an Elvis movie. He can do it. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, but uh yeah, the fact that this one bombed so he kind of just I think goes very much darker and more back to his roots with, you know, Prince of Darkness and then gets yeah. to make they live and yeah. movies like that. You can't afterwards. really complain about what ifs. Yeah. When your next two movies are Prince of Darkness and They Live. <laughs> oh, man, what could have been? Oh, jeez. <laughs> but uh, so I had compared him, Kurt Russell, to doing, uh, you know, Han Solo mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier. And let me tell you the moment that really made me think of Harrison Ford in this movie. It's when, for a minute, we get Kurt Russell doing a kind of nerdy reporter, like yes. Harrison Ford's nerdy reporter in Blade Runner. Yes. We get Kurt oh, totally. Russell's version <laughs> of that. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that nerdy reporter scene. Yeah. So he gets to it's be that one. guy. This is his Harrison Ford movie. Except Harrison Ford movies all made <laughs> huge money during that era. Kurt Russell's uh was a money loser. And it's but it's him doing the different Harrison Ford roles. Mm-hmm. And it's great getting to see Russell do that. It's the best Russell. He's had so many, obviously. Snake Plissken and any Carpenter work, and the guy's an award-nominated actor. Mm-hmm. But I don't think any actor has as much fun as Jack Burton seems to be having. That's a character, totally. But then you see James Hong, 
<laughs> it's like this guy's doing the same thing, but his version of it. Hong. Uh, so this is a little story that Neil told me. Okay, uh, our friend Neil. Neil. Uh, yeah, our buddy Neil, who runs uh, the Roxy Colt Nights that we one day might see again. 2023 coming soon yeah here we go uh so he's a fellow cult movie fan and has his own great podcast video podcast yeah he does a whole video production yeah cult show cult show um so he also put on two different film festivals horror festivals that uh you could do whole episodes about the silver scream festival yeah 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 it's like our local i think i know where this is yeah and he tried to get james hong to come and hong has a going rate, flat fee, $5,000, but he comes in complete low-pan costume. Full, full makeup, not just wearing a robe. Like, full demonic low-pan get-up. Oh, my goodness. James Hong is, like, 90. <laughs> He's just like, nope, $5,000. That's it. That's That doesn't nope. seem like that much. No more, no less. And it's a, that's a, <laughs> I won't take any more. Yeah. That's you know, funny. to do like, you know, he just $5,000 flat fee every day, but you get the full low pan. I'll go all out. But you get the full low pan. It's a good deal. It seems like a great deal. Because not only to talk do you get about why huge photograph money from low pan pictures, mm-hmm. but Hong's in so much stuff that, man, I just talked his ear off about like Wayne's World 2. Well, I was going to say there's so there's a, not a uh no low pan option. Like he can't just come as himself. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Has you get all low pan. <laughs> Can I get the Blade Runner guy? I only have rights to do low pan. Exactly. Like well, you could just come as yourself, wear a nice suit, yeah. sign autographs, you could just be you, James <laughs> Hong. No. Low pan or nothing. Here's another thing. This is $90. This is one of these uh we've been talking a lot about harmonic events lately mm-hmm. i'm reading stephen king's eleven twenty two sixty three, and uh it has a lot of harmonic convergences with the past and all these deja vu kind of moments and you're reading it which also has these finally kind of dug into it yeah things. finally getting into it yeah and uh so right after we watched big trouble just a week or so ago I'm sitting at home at work, and I have the TV on mute in the background, and MacGyver comes on. Mm. Have it on one of those TV shows. And uh, James Hong and Tia Carrere in this movie. They played father and daughter in Wayne's World 2. Oh, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. just watched Wayne's World 2 the night before. That's awesome. Then watched Big Trouble, and now I'm seeing a different thing with James Hong and <laughs> Tia Carrere. What I didn't know, Hong. this blew my mind. This is the first time I realized that everything... 87 and after is Hong wearing a hairpiece. Oh. <laughs> Dude is bald in MacGyver the year before Big Trouble in Little China's Mate. I never considered his, you know, he has so much makeup, you can't see his real hair. It's the perfect role to get when you're balding. That's why he insists on the low pan at yeah. these appearances because he can wear the head piece the, and the yeah. wig. He has yeah. to put on extra makeup, but he doesn't have to worry no about problem. keeping his piece on for yeah. a whole day. Yeah, yeah. You know? I it's a it. give and a take. Piece. Yeah. And so uh, $5,000 and Neil's like running the numbers and he's like, it's so close to being worth it. Like trying to do like, wow. could you do $4,000? Would not budge off of five. The man said his rate. Hey, he's got his principles. It's a fair rate. You know at the big cons, $5,000, he'd more than make that back. You know? that appearance sure sure so i get it you're 90 if you're gonna travel you gotta travel at your rate <laughs> nobody wants to fly when they're 90 no god no so hong's still doing it i'm glad that he is so Good he's still him. out there the I they mean, not need to year, give but... him an honorary oscar while he's still you know alive to accept it this as is... low pan as only low pan <laughs> he's only he showing up to the oscar ceremony as low pan <laughs> I want the Oscar to go to <laughs> <Yeah>. low pan. <laughs> no, we're not. It's, it is, we're not making money off of this. No, no. It's my deal. You know I do deal. this. You know the deal. I do this. Yeah. But give it to him while he's alive to accept it. This guy's done the most serious of dramas, up to the most silly comic book movies like this. He's done every kind of movie for fifty years. And if you're going to be giving these awards to people like Chan and Wes Studi and. Yes, and if you're going to yeah, be West Studio was a great people one. who are a um, huge impact on the direction that cinema has taken over the years, 
Hong has got to be that guy for especially Asian American representation and yeah, uh, yeah. The Academy's been doing; they're branching out. They're honoring these kind of cool things. You know, John Waters is gonna get one. Mm-hmm. Oh, he might have. I don't know, but he's a guy who's definitely Didn't gonna Lynch get one. Get one Lynch recently? got one just a few years David ago. Lynch? Uh, so yeah, they're obviously like it's like they're specifically keeping like me. John in. Carpenter maybe needs to get one. Sure. You think of his contributions to the scores, and the score for Big Trouble in Little China is a Carpenter score doing, oh, man. you know, Asian themes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about your favorite theme song. <laughs> you have a contentious relationship with well, our credits we'll theme to the this end, movie, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, we'll save it for the end. It's going at the end. <laughs> uh, but the, the score is another cool Carpenter score, but it's totally, di- it's not a Halloween score. Mm-hmm. It's got a Halloween vibe, but it's a cool Asian-tinged Carpenter score. You can do a good action score oh, as yeah. well as a horror. Yeah. And that's more this, uh, this, this is more in that vein. It's, yeah, you get the giant fun action movie, but you also get the self-aware elements of that kind of action movie. You get that scene with the gang who's basically storming the base against all odds Mm -hmm. to escape from all of the electricity goons, (laughs) the weather gods that are following them through this endless maze of a nothing but trouble house. (laughs) And you get this moment of quiet in the elevator with the whole crew. It's just like, man, this is crazy, right? (laughs) Man, this is... It's really fun. Like, we're really happy to be on this adventure together. Like, it's a Goonies kind of moment. Yeah. Yeah, this house of horrors that they have to escape out of to uh, save the girlfriends and uh, escape Lopan is just one of those great, like, all the traps and yeah. all the different uh, obstacles that they have to go through, swimming through the through the canals kind of a thing. I love all it, that stuff. It's super Goonies. Super It's Goonies. Goonies. It's Goonies for the, for the next generation. <laughs> it's, it's the whole it's, plot it's of Goonies. Big Trouble in Little uh, Arcadia or whatever that town yeah, is called. Yeah, little, some town in Oregon. Uh, yeah, the only thing that's uh, too bad is we never got the sequel of Big Trouble in Little Italy. Mm-mm. I would have loved to seen Jack yeah. Burton become a series of <laughs> films. Who knows? That could have been the direction. Would you have given up Prince of Darkness and They Live for <laughs> Big Trouble in, I'll tell you, in North Korea town? I'll tell you, if I had to, I would have uh, swapped out Escape from L.A. for uh, Big Trouble in Little Italy. No, Escape from L.A. is good. I don't Escape, know, man. Little Italy, though? <laughs> Escape from L.A. So the pizza monsters. I think we just established <laughs> Carpenter's trend. It's that you make a couple of bonafide horror genre hits, and then that's when you get huge amount of money to make a goof-ass movie that only you want to make. Yeah. Big trouble. Lose money. <laughs> go back to doing two cheaply made genre hits. Do a studio picture, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, and then eventually be like, they're going to give me a lot of money again. I'm doing an Escape from New York sequel, but I'm going to spend $60 million on yeah. it. Whoa, 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 John, whoa. <laughs> Maybe 30? 30 million? Nope. 60 because I'm using CGI. Exactly. We need the surfing scene. We need to surf. So every like six years, he gets all the big money, you know, throughout his career to make his movie. So nah. I'm going to pitch it. Escape from LA it. is, I think that age is much better than, than people think. We'll get to, we'll watch it eventually. We'll uh, run that agree one. Agree to back. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I think we can both agree, though, that if you could have seen big the look on his face when he rubbed that one in. No, big trouble, though. It is. It it's so weird that it lost money just because it seems to be such a universally agreed upon movie. At worst, somebody might like my mom might see it and dismiss it as like, oh, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, looking up from her iPad. But my mom is also someone who would watch Tremors whenever it was on. For a woman whose favorite movie is well, Titanic young Kevin Bacon. and uh, Legally Blonde, mm-hmm. she's seen Tremors like seven times. <laughs> nice. So this is one of those movies. It's a Tremors movie. You watch it when it's on. <laughs> you watch it. You watch it. That is not Nobody's a Nobody's changing the channel. Yeah. It's like he's got a Halloween 3 magnetic hold on us. Exactly. And you just have to watch and finish Big Trouble in Little China. And what other way to finish Big Trouble in Little China with A, a reappearance of the monster 
suggesting that the monster is going to be prominently featured in the Big Trouble in Little China sequel. That's what I'm talking about. This was made for a sequel where it's... Well, yeah, it was made for a sequel. Where where Jack Burton is Clint Eastwood and that monster is the ape. (laughs) Any which way but Big Trouble. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) This monster, the shot, the movie closes on the monster shot. The movie wants to make sure you remember that there was a monster in it. Yeah. A monster with leaping power. Who just catches... We get a King Kong situation where he's carrying Kim Cattrall leaping down into the sewer. What? We needed a monster? Yeah, that monster's We needed a floating head with tons of eyes? Ugh. The the one guy that expands and blows up like a Willy Wonka character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So It's just like so comedic and it's so <laughs> cartoony once the guy... Yeah, once you get the expanding man effects. Yeah. You get a big old cartoon garbage pail kid face then it it does feel that but that i think is what adds to the animated feel of it mm-hmm. it almost feels like it's an animated it's tough movie. to make an animated feeling movie mm-hmm. uh, there's a coen brothers movie called crime wave that does this came out around the same time came out like mid 80s 85 86 it's like a zoinks cartoon movie with big cartoony sets and uh it's kind of inventive and kind of sucks interesting and Never this is it. like a But cartoon. it's like a Gremlins 2 kind of a thing. <laughs> Nothing's a Gremlins 2 kind <laughs> of thing, baby. There's movies. No, that's a Looney Tunes specific. And then specific. there's movies. Yeah, that's Looney Tunes specific. But I mean the idea of just a, a live action feel. To, yeah, sure. Or an animated feel to a live action movie. Yeah, with real people that feel like there might as well be with Muppets. Yeah. And this movie gets into Muppets territory. A lot of Muppetry. And you... <laughs> Muppetry. <laughs> and uh, more Han Solo. He leaves with like... Uh, Almost too cool for the girl. Yeah. Trawls into him. She's in love with him. He's got other little neighborhoods to cause trouble in. He has so much other little trouble. He's a man on the road. Yeah, this is big trouble, but he's got pots burning. He's got (laughs) different burners going. A lot of plates spinning. A lot of plates spinning around. He's a a cross country trucker. He's got a. There's a lot of San Francisco. He's got a kerfuffle in Kansas City. You know what I'm saying? Oh man! See, more than other cities, I like him just in other towns for ten minutes. An annoyance in San Antonio. (laughs) Like the Jack Burton Western. That's probably what we would have gotten instead of They Live, because They Lives is Western. We'll 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 do They Live. We'll get there. Uh, But that's his Western movie. It would have been a Jack Burton sequel. As a Western more. I can see that. Oh, that's pretty. That does sound good. Uh, <laughs> so the movie ends with Jack Burton not taking the girl. Everything working out. The legend of the green-eyed, mysterious Cantonese woman solved. That lore that we just got yeah. dumped into. And then it's the, not important And then the all. monster <laughs> basically putting up the, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, question mark? Yeah, just like the monster even peeks out of like the bed of his truck. Don't tell nobody. Yeah. yeah. Oh? <laughs> oh, that's right. There was a monster in this. I'm coming along, And too. then, uh, so this is the part of the movie, the, the real ending for you. The big trouble and little China theme that basically sounds like an Oingo Boingo 80s theme. For a man who has made a career out of creating not only some of the best horror movies, but some of the best horror. The best no, the best and, scores in and general. Film scores. Best and film scores, film not just music. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter's <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China theme song is uh, Swing and a Miss. <laughs> <laughs> now, the theme to Big Trouble, though, Pork Chop Express, is a cool one. Sure, sure, that's sure. That's a cool Carpenter theme. Pork Chop Express. Is cool. You know, that's like a. Right, oh, the theme, that's a good the theme to the movie, yes, but the ending credits, I guess. The actual Oingo Boingo song that plays. Now, this was a band made up of, you said Carpenter and Tommy Lee Wallace. So we have, uh, yeah, the, the official credit goes to the Coupe de Vils. The Coupe de Vils. Consisting of Carpenter, Nick Castle, okay, who we know is the shape yeah. in Halloween, <laughs> amongst other things. Tommy Lee Wallace, and uh, they performed the Big Trouble in Little China theme song. And uh, it sucks. All right. It sucks. All right. Hear me out. <laughs> I say that for humor. It's I, it's an appropriately silly song. I enjoy to end the movie. this kind of the theme because I love. How can you not love? This is why nobody likes you and your opinions on movies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that's okay. A, that's all right. Line. Yeah. All right. I <laughs> I went down that 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 was too hot. Okay. 
Well, no, no. I'm, I'm interested to hear where it goes, though, because I, w- I do want to know the reason why nobody likes I don't me. think <laughs> I could help. ever dislike any end credits theme that is specifically about the name of the movie that we just saw. I 100% agree. I get you there. I don't think there's a bad version of that. Anybody that's just like, well, we got to fit this five-letter <laughs> you know, movie. Yeah. When they got Huey Lewis to do the Pineapple Express theme <laughs> for Pineapple sure. Express. And the whole time I'm going, this sounds like Huey Lewis. And that's been the joke in the movie. They actually wanted to get a fake Huey Lewis. And then they found out that Huey Lewis's rate was just reasonable. <laughs> like James Hong's like, oh, yeah, I'd do a song for that. So they just got Huey Lewis Huey to Lewis. do a Huey Lewis-style song. Right. Did his version of coming as Lopan. Yeah. Pineapple Express, parentheses, what a mess. <laughs> and so I can't hate on the big trouble because it sounds like weird science. <laughs> it's very it's very weird science. Yes, that is true. It's weird science. It's of the but, time. It's of yeah, the time. I can't hate it. I love it. I think it's terrible. <laughs> I think it's really bad. Okay. And I think that's but, probably what happened is in the com- in, in the commercials, they would play that song. <laughs> no. And anyone who was a John Carpenter fan would be like, what the, f- what you're was saying that? This, you're and saying anyone the, who's not a John Carpenter fan is just like, what? You're saying the Coupe de Ville's cost this movie $15 million. <laughs> they didn't, the they didn't help. Didn't help. Okay. Did not bring people in. This did not air on MTV and people were like, we got to go check this movie. So I... I saw John Carpenter live. If <laughs> I saw him, if I saw him list? advertised with Tommy Lee Wallace and the guy who played the shape <laughs> as like a power trio playing a gig called the Coupe de Ville. The Coupe no de Ville's, no less. Dude, I would see the Coupe de Ville. <laughs> oh, I'd absolutely go see the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, of yes. course you will. And so, I would loudly boo during. T- no, I'm just so kidding. you would see the Coupe de Ville's. You admit that every theme <laughs> that says the name of the movie in the theme is great. Therefore, this theme has to be default great. I think I backed you into Man, this. This did this I just get corner like, uh, of low pan castle? I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's tough. It sucks. It's tough for me. It sucks, it sucks. and okay, I love good. it. Okay. I love it. Um, so we got a little treat here. Uh, yeah, let's do this. Now that we've done some Carpenter flicks and we're going to do all of them, we're getting through all of them. You know, Worf's going an hour. We're happening. Uh, we're happy to do it. We have now midway through prepared our current ongoing list of our top 10 Carpenter movies. We talked about this just earlier. Run them up today. We've done the Coen brothers and we've done Tarantino. You can find the Tarantino one on the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode and the Coen Brothers one on Blood Simple. I believe Blood Simple, yeah. Yeah. Episode 50. So now we're doing Carpenter. and This is the tough. This was the toughest of your three? I feel like Carpenter is is, uh, at the top of my list of favorite directors, period. So then, (laughs) Carpenter, I think, is the only guy that can pass Lynch for me. It's like Hitchcock, Lynch, Carpenter... It's right there. So. I didn't totally realize this until you pointed it out, uh, like earlier. I think last month. Hmm. But most of my wall art is John Carpenter. You got <laughs> a lot of Carpenter. I didn't realize art. that it was eighty plus percent of stuff. I have a good amount of stuff on my walls. Mm-hmm. Just right here, I'm looking at two different things. The things from the thing, yeah, yeah, and You've upstairs a, there's big trouble is triptych, in view. A triptych of Carpenter posters uh, at yeah. the stairs. There, it might be ninety percent of my stuff hanging up, and I got a house full of shit. You got a lot, <laughs> and uh, a lot of movie shit. So it's weird. Uh, I'd probably say Lynch is my favorite, but boy, I sure do bleed Carpenter. He's got to be the only competition. So there you a go. top ten for a guy with twenty one movies. So are we doing? I'm, Trying to remember how we did this in the past. We, did we just countdowns. want to go ten to nine. To we did countdowns alternating. So first, I'd like to hear your um, what were your cuts? Because we're doing top tens. What were your tough eliminations? Let's get those okay. out of the way. Okay, tough eliminations would be. Uh, I actually had Starman in there. Same. Uh, and then I also, I believe, I don't think that. I think that was the only tough one. Yeah, Starman think, was the one that had the best shot. I think at I was able to 10. really get my ten together, and then it was just a matter of like what's going to be in the top four. We've joked about this before. Um, since we plan on doing all Carpenter movies, 
uh like starman is our least looked forward to <laughs> yeah we're like oh man that's tough but it's such you, a, a well-made enjoyable movie and yet on its we own both right. barely missed putting it in our top 10 yeah so we I, clearly... I did i did have vampires in the initial list and then that one uh that one was not tough to eliminate this though. is uh, real interesting because i also had vampires hovering around my eight to ten mm. that was my other cut from the top ten there you go so uh we already know these uh, are probably going to be identical then no <laughs> so maybe uh Actually, so both of our no close idea. cuts were close so my number 10 uh assault on precinct 13 Yes, actually, I wrote it as attack in my notes, but it is assault on precinct thirteen for me as well. That's, That's my your ten. That's my ten. Wow, We're, I, uh... I put that at the bottom just because I do love it. It's an early movie, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I've only watched it once though, but I did love it when I saw it. I've seen it uh, a few times because uh, it's nice and, and short. Uh, I listen to the score a lot because it is basically a twenty-minute score. Mm-hmm. It uses a lot of that. Doom, do, 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 oh, I love that recurring score. Three. That's one of my top scores. Right. And it's just, sure. it's such a cool loop. And <laughs> that's one of the things that got it into my 10. Big time. And I also like, I had to put it in 10 just because some of my even more favorite Carpenter movies take a lot of elements from this. Mm-hmm. He's redoing them in different situations. So Definitely. it's like, ah, this guy's the granddaddy. And it's just got that original early cult movie vibe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good 10. Okay, well. We're matching up so far, but I think with nine to go, uh, there's going to be some big differences coming up in somewhere within. I hope. I honestly hope so because if we had the same list all the way through, it'd be be freaky, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So my number nine. This might be a little low for some, but I think it's fair. Escape from New York. Oh Uh, yeah, iconic in a lot of ways. Uh, Something not always quite there for me in other ways. Definitely. Uh, Yeah. Mine's much higher, but okay. Great score. And, uh, I mean, really my introduction to the Carpenter score was this movie. That theme is yeah, amazing. That's a great one, too. And Love Snake and uh, Love, Love Isaac Hayes' Candelabra. Mm-hmm. Right? The Duke theme is my, one of my favorite Carpenter instrumentals, too. So this is low. I could see moving them up higher, but uh, this is where it rattled out. I've got uh, my number nine is In the Mouth of Madness. That's my number eight. Which is uh, a great one. So, yeah, we're right around the same. Uh, uh, when I first saw it, I thought it was kind of a mess. I didn't uh, I didn't like it as much. I've seen it twice since, including the theater. Had to be top ten now. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Seen it recently, yeah. It's one of those where I saw it as a teenager, and it was like, okay, cool. There's some cool sh- stuff, and mm-hmm. the guy from Jurassic Park's all crazy, <laughs> and that's fun. But, it's yeah, gr- watching it now, it's like... It, I definitely it, have of much like, more of an appreciation of crazy sam neil performance than yeah. i was familiar with then totally i didn't know crazy sam neil performance oh, the first so time good. i saw it and it's it's great it's so a good, it's a good crazy yeah it's really just keeps growing in my eyes i'm a big sutter Kane guy now so my number eight since yours is mouth of madness mine is the one we've been talking about big trouble big trouble number eight that's my number seven. Oh man so we're not we're, uh, we're, we're not close. far off all right uh my number seven is uh they live Okay. I feel like They Live has a lot of the same kind of could be almost silly sure uh, sensibilities of They Big Live Trouble. is the biggest risk in many ways because you're putting Roddy Piper in <laughs> your big budgeted theatrical release. It's a big action. Piper wasn't like a box office guy at that nope. point. He later went on to have a really fun direct video career, but this was before wrestling stars were <laughs> automatic like box office draws this was when it was it was well, they, they wrestling lived. was big in in then but not but as hulk, big as it hulk had been hogan a few had years really earlier made jump and and if you had yeah. someone it was someone like andre the giant is kind of a smaller jesse ventura and predator right was supporting a year role this. for sure so that was a risk putting piper as the lead totally works yeah so they lives higher for me but yeah uh so what is your number six uh, six for me is Christine. Okay. Uh, a favorite of mine. That is actually my six, too. Oh, really? That is my uh, number six. We watched this together uh, with the group several years ago. And I think you and I, that was when we each had our Christine moment. Yeah. That was when... Seeing it on Blu-ray and the, <sighs> the car just coming to life mm-hmm. in a really honestly effective way. Yeah. Um, of of his stabby synth scores, this is my favorite. 
over Halloween three, over Halloween, yeah. the Christine score, especially that chase scene where the Christine's running down the thirty five year old senior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, <laughs> the middle aged high schoolers in that one are pretty classic. <laughs> but yeah, the Blu Ray uh, transfer for Christine is, oh man, I was put inside that movie. I was getting into it. it the ridiculousness of it wasn't hitting me at mm. all. I was in that movie. I totally. was scared of a car. <laughs> I was scared of just a driverless Plymouth. I was into it. So I think that same day we each had the like, so Christine's really great, huh? Mm. <laughs> like during the movie, it's just like, how amazing is this? Like we were preaching the Christine gospel. I mean, so six feels good. Six like is good. It. Yeah. Uh, so five is my they live. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I've got the fog sitting at number five. That's my four. Uh huh. I went four on the fog. And the fog and my number four were trading places. Oh, okay. Uh, for a while. And uh, my number four is Halloween. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think Halloween is. <laughs> we're not is... that far off. It's We're off on one movie. Yeah, we're And all the close. others were essentially the same. This is how it's playing out. Uh, we're going to be doing the fog uh, in a couple weeks. It'll be coming. We just watched that as a double feature with Big Trouble. So, yeah, you'll get to hear all about Antonio Bay. I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah. Uh, that's another one that I first saw uh, also because of you. So mm. we'll talk about that in the episode. So, yeah, my number three is Halloween. We're literally off on one on that's all funny. these, except for what I assume is your number two. So then my number three is Prince of Darkness. Okay. That's my number two. There you go. Because we're then, one off on all these. And then I've got Escape from New York at number two. Wow. And I don't know why. And that's I'm going to be honest. I like Escape from New York a lot. <laughs> And I, it, it's one of those where I, I watch it, and I, it's one of those movies where I can accept every criticism of it. It's pretty slow in parts. Uh, it's kind of silly. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. I don't care. I love it. It to me is the <laughs> ultimate. Just like. I mean, I, I don't think you have a thousand other action movies like it in the eighties without no. it. It's just one of those like it's just the the whole concept of the prison island. Oh yeah. The Snake Plissken character is just. Like it's almost one of those where it's like, how dare you make a character that cool? Like how dare you? You got a lot. You got some nerve, John Carpenter, writing so this a character. Is, this is that interesting badass. that you are that anti-escape from L.A. If this is like your number two, so maybe you're just offended by uh, what they did to. I think the there's a lot of that. I, I feel like I feel like uh, L.A. just did not hold up with the effects, and it's got some good stuff, but it. Uh, I think it's gonna. I think it's a I grower. Just, I'm cu- I'm curious when we watch it. I feel soon. like they took like Escape from New York. He's got to fight like a giant barbarian in a ring with a trash can <laughs> lid and yeah. a bat with a nail in it. And in Escape from L.A., he has to he's, play he's, basketball. He's sinking those threes though. He's got to make. That's pretty cool. Ten points and I mean so many seconds. Fight, fighting Ox Baker, very cool. <laughs> sinking a half court shot. Also pretty cool. As the time runs out, and then everyone gives him the same like snake, snake, yeah. snake. Just chant that he got for just busting a dude. Draining buckets is pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I couldn't do it. Snake just burying so threes in like a rock and jock basketball kind. I of also setting. truly hate that they made Snake wear this like jet black, like skin tight kind of parachute outfit in Escape from L.A. when he had the cool jacket. Yeah, and like tiger pants. In well, you New did. York. You, he he had the exact same snake outfit at the start of the movie. At the start of the movie, yeah, yeah. But then they they dress him up like a '90s guy. Yeah. It was just so much like the '80s versus the '90s, and the '90s does not win. Uh, I think some of the practical effects are going to win you over because too many people pay deservedly attention to the CGI effects that shouldn't, you know, have been in movies by '95, '96. Yeah. But uh, I'm confident it's going to grow for you. When we eventually do our episode. We'll see. I guess. We'll see. So guess. No, we'll number see. two, you know, as critical as I am for a movie that's in my top ten, uh, I love it, obviously. It's iconic. Harry Dean Stanton, Isaac Hayes. The Duke is the Duke. Man, that's All the coolest. Them. Adrian Barbeau. Yeah. With her <laughs> with her poodle hair. <laughs> uh but yeah, the Harry Dean Stanton in a carpenter in Carpenter. I mean, I love Christine. It's weird to think of Stanton as a carpenter guy, right? But he's in as many other as many mo- carpenter movies as you know people that consider other people carpenter mm-hmm. guys. It's great. 
Uh, I love the concept and I love the execution. I love that he did it. So yeah, number two, it's cool. That's our only one we were off on. That's really the only because our number one is Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. There you have it, buddy. The long-awaited John Carpenter Chevy Chase team up that you knew. Yeah, you saw nothing but trouble potential (laughs) in Big Trouble in Little China. Then you saw nothing but trouble, and sure, maybe it underwhelmed in spots. But overall, Nothing But Trouble was the smash success that it deserved to be. And Carpenter knew he could do it. But he <laughs> had already... All right, hold on. So let's, let's... It's the thing. It's the thing. Yeah. It's the best movie. It's great. Yeah, you know, every time I keep wanting to, to supplant it, you know, because it's, it's... Oh, yeah, I was trying to come up with excuses yeah. why John Carpenter's The Thing is not the number one movie yeah, on the crazy. list. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, there's got to be a reason. Like, it, there's no ladies in it. It's all kind of one location. It's really kind of, but no, no, it's just it's expertly great. done. Every shot is just filled with everything that you love about John Carpenter. Yeah, uh, it's one of the greatest, probably some of the best performances that you'll ever see in a Carpenter movie. In a horror movie, it's just fantastic. A great cast of yes, entirely dudes. Uh, a totally genuinely scary plot. You know, a remake of a successful, amazing movie in its own right, but the perfect modern adaptation with the greatest use of that specific era's practical effects technology. Mm-hmm. The effects work in The Thing is should have been Academy Award winning. This, I mean, this is among the finest possible practical effects I mean, how, works movies. What, what could top it? Yeah. I mean, what tops the scene... <laughs> <laughs> where the guy's head crawls away yeah. like what nothing tops that the the blood testing scene yeah or the guy getting melted outside scene or uh the crazy shots of the hungarians flying a helicopter even the a even the scene, scene with the dogs uh just opening up oh, like God. this flower creature opening up out of a dog's mouth you're just like who came up with that how do yeah. you do that anyways it's wild uh, uh, it's the best. It's the it, best movie. It's the best. It's it's a movie that can be talked about in the canon of great movies. You know, this movie, like probably Halloween, and uh, you know, those are the movies that show up on actual film critics lists. Yeah. Well, I have both Halloween and I have the thing on Laserdisc. Oh. I brought okay. the thing for Dean Kundi to sign. Oh right. When we saw him, that's that's where it's at. Basically, that's cool. I'm like, if I want his, yeah. Yeah, we got to see Dean Kundi, who is probably worked with carpenter as much as anybody as deborah hill right you know that is, that guy is he's a big part of why carpenter is very successful too yeah his <laughs> cinematography and his work on halloween on the thing uh escape from new york the fog yeah it's amazing such a low-key guy can have such a firm grasp on what visually makes something scary <laughs> dean Cooney was really like, exciting like yeah. slow-paced friendly uh, well, warm he was a he was a nice old man by the time we met him but yeah he was very methodical he's very and yeah there's something about the the you know directors and creatives can be very outlandish but when you meet the technicians when you meet a guy like rick baker mm-hmm. and you hear him talk he's just very methodical right level-headed it's you it's know a george it's nuts lucas and bolts kind, kind of, of uh yeah like an you know, engineer type, yeah, type brain. Like Kundi knows like, well, you need this lens for that effect and here's how you light that, but it's all very like he's got, he's able to combine <laughs> the creative with the technical in a way that I just Oh yeah. It just blows my mind how it was they do great. That. He had so much to say. It was so fascinating. Yeah. Uh so for reference, I got curious and looked up the sight and sound poll, uh, which does a yearly kind of ranked ongoing one top thousand. Okay. And they have four carpenter movies on the list and those are the thing halloween assault on precinct 13 and they live this is like a huge list of you know a bunch of critics and directors and other people uh you know pretty cool site and so it's a good collection a good reference point so those i wouldn't guess be the critics top four but apparently those are they there you go i didn't realize assault on precinct 13 was that widely heralded by you know those kind of critics, but I can see why it would be. You they, know, appre- they appreciate that kind of low budget ingenuity. I feel like it would have. I feel like there would have been more to it if Halloween, the next movie he made or whatever, had not been just the. You know, because the thing is, Carpenter almost gets handicapped by Halloween because <laughs> yeah. he's compared to it in every other step of his career. Yeah, 
And a movie like Assault on Precinct 13 or The Fog is just such a classic 70s grimy or you know ghost story horror movie yeah and they don't really get that much love because i think right in between the ultimate slasher movie <laughs> like but i think he's also crazy. kind of the uh the spielberg who who didn't mind being a genre guy mm. you know he starts with duel and jaws and is like okay now i'm gonna get into some like more personal project drama stuff right aliens yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Close Encounters. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Carpenter gets, that's his, like, but Assault you know, on Precinct 13 right. to Halloween. You know, this cool, low-budget thriller mm-hmm. with a gigantic money-making horror movie. You know? And Carpenter just leaned into all that. <laughs> he wasn't ashamed of doing that. Yeah. And he did cool twists on all parts of it. And, and the thing is... They're his stories. Which, yeah. What you really get from him is the idea that these are personal... He's come up with these ideas. He's thought mm-hmm. about what happens if something's in the fog. He's cool. grown up watching the thing from another world and wanting to do his own thing yeah. to it. So I think yeah. there's he, he tackles there's these that. genres and you can tell just loves them. Yeah. And the thing is such a, I mean, yeah, it's like a serious, scary movie. This plays is like a real high, you know, Oscar worthy kind of movie for me. Uh, this and Halloween are kind of the ones that, you know feel like oscar level stuff if the exorcist mm-hmm. was awarded several years prior there's no reason halloween couldn't have gotten similar kind of nomination it's it's on that level guy's good that's good <laughs> yeah amusingly though i did notice for such an important feel for his movies are his scores that, that's what that's really what drew me to him as a director because mm-hmm. i loved the music that accompanied his visuals so much uh the thing is ennio morricone doing the score <laughs> So our favorite Carpenter movie right. does not have his score attached to it. Not officially. The thing I, that just drew me to, to I Carpenter. think the thing I think the thing that doom doom I oh, think that's Carpenter. Sure. I think that's there had to be that's still him, him in that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still pacing. Him doing the cues and Morricone doing the score elements. Like phew. It's great. Yeah. Can't wait for our thing episode. Anytime, yeah. brother. Big trouble. We're gonna come back and do the fog in a week or two. Uh, that's on the docket for so sure yeah, yeah we're gonna get a lot of carpenter we gotta go with that it's keeping me afloat i love it's, john it's carpenter stuff, baby man. so yeah we'll be back with the fog and we'll have well we'll have a treat coming up in a couple weeks that <laughs> you want a lot of exciting you wanna, stuff you want to look out for a lot of exciting stuff coming yeah, up here as we approach episode 70 <laughs> and the halloween season so it came to this it came to Big this trouble in little china if you somehow missed this movie on network television yeah, or anywhere it. don't miss it anymore yeah find it i'm eric i'm charlie thanks for listening thanks guys good night